Greetings, listeners, Domestic International and Extraterrestrial. I'm Dave Reed. And I'm Kristen Riley, and this is The Cast Files. I am a nerd who has somehow never seen The X-Files. And I watched it when it originally aired. The Cast Files is a podcast where we watch and discuss every episode of Jillian Anderson getting damseled. (laughs) Spoiler free. Today we are talking about Season 2, Episode 24, Our Town. It originally aired May, a word I cannot pronounce... 12th, 1995. There's four consonants in a row in that word. That should be illegal. You said 12th just fine. I had to focus to do it. I'm sorry. Well, that's all the focus you have for this episode. Goodbye, everybody. (laughs) It was written by Frank Spotnitz and directed by Rob Bowman. The director of Airborne. <laughs> the Rock and Roller Blade movie, starring Shane McDermott, Seth Green, and a young Jack Black. I only looked up because you paused and I was like, is that him? <laughs> All right. Our Town. The cast of Our Town includes Timothy Weber as Jess Harold, who previously played Detective Talbot in The X Files episode Tombs. Of course. Yay! Robin Mosley plays Dr. Vance Randolph, who previously played Dr. Joe Ridley in the X-Files episode, Young at Heart. Brothger Matthews plays Creighton Jones, and he previously played Jack in the X-Files episode, The Jersey Devil, and also Man on Phone in The Host. Wow. How did we not notice a man missing an arm in those episodes? I, I was wondering how we missed a man named Hrothgar. Hrothgar. Hrothgar? That's how I would say that. The H is silent? Yeah, that's how I would say that. Hrothgar. They're okay. We also have Caroline Kava as Doris Carnes. She was also in Quantum Leap and Dawson's Creek. Ah, <sighs> Quantum Leap. What yeah. A, what a great show. Yep. Probably doesn't hold up if we rewatch, but it's fun to... Think about nostalgically. I can think of at least one thing that does not hold up. (laughs) I'm retarded. John Milford, as Walter Chaco, was in the TV series Freddy's Nightmares. Nice. There were several X-Files people who were in Freddy's situational TV stuff. Gary Grubbs as Sheriff Ahrens. Hell yeah! You were very excited. This is the only time you've ever not immediately said it was the sheriff, the sheriff did it. (laughs) I still don't think he did it. So instead of pulling what he's in, I pulled a little bit about him because you're like, he sounds so nice and pleasant doing everything. Gary and his wife, Glinda, moved to Los Angeles in 1977 for Gary to pursue a writing career. He went on an open call as an actor, got the part, and now 200 parts later, (laughs) Gary is still acting. Uh. Gary and Glenda now have a home in Mississippi and an apartment in L.A. And Gary works both the Southern and L.A. markets. Fantastic. Yeah. We also have John McLaren as George Carnes. He was Reverend Buck in Lizzie Borden Took an Axe. And he was Reverend Jubb in Lizzie Borden Chronicles. (laughs) Okay. And finally, we have Gabrielle Miller as Paula Gray. She was in a movie called Love and Other Dilemmas, which she also performed on the soundtrack. Ooh. Yeah. Double threat. Yeah. So, production note. 
Our Town was future executive producer Spotnitz's first standalone episode for the show. Spotnitz was inspired to write the episode after thinking of cannibalism occurring at a chicken processing plant, an idea he thought was one of the most despicable and vile things. <laughs> what? I don't know. Why specifically because of the chicken processing plant? I don't know. Because there's all that delicious chicken around? Uh, I and don't why know. would you eat a human if there's chicken available? I have no idea. It doesn't explain further. Just says this is like his own personal hell. Wow, <laughs> weird. Spotnitz later named the characters after real life cannibals. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Spotnitz was also inspired by the thriller Bad Day at Black Rock, a 1955 movie about a town that holds a terrible secret. And an article he read while a student at the University of California, Los Angeles, about salamander cannibalism and how such behavior makes the animal sick. Oh, hmm. I believe human cannibalism makes you sick as well. Yes. When the episode was being scripted, these ideas were later supplemented with medical research about Kuru, a very rare incurable neurodegenerative disorder that was formerly common among the four people of Papua New Guinea. Huh. Okay. How did you like this episode? Eh, I'll give it a another B minus, I guess. Yeah, B minus, C plus. I was excited about the concept. It had some fun stuff in it. Had your favorite person. Had Gary Grubbs, so you had know. Lake dred or river dredging. Yeah, it did. It had tons of chickens. Lots of delicious looking meat. No, see, you want to eat the chickens, and I want to use a full live chicken as a pillow. Yeah. In a symbiotic relationship. <laughs> it doesn't sound symbiotic. It sounds I, rude. I don't know what I would be giving the chicken. No. Weight on them, making them uncomfortable. You said before that, yes, they would let me use them as a pillow. And now that we're on air, you're changing your tune? Yeah, because now it's funny to say you're being rude to a chicken. <laughs> Have you ever picked up a chicken? No. Have you ever gotten eggs out from under a chicken? No. Where did you grow up? The city? Yes. <laughs> wow, that's boring. All right, ready to get into it? Mm-hmm. In Dudley, Arkansas, we get a twist on the Lover's Lane killer scenario, but a gross one. Government health inspector George Kearns drives an inappropriately young target, Paula Gray, into the woods. Oh, inappropriately young? She's older than him. <laughs> Nobody knows that right now. It's such a weird scene. Because the way they talk to each other, it's like he's known her since she was in high school. Because he literally says, you're it's not, not in... like you're in high school anymore. Yeah. But, but by we... the end of the episode, that doesn't make any sense. No. And we find out that George arrived about six months ago. Yeah. So has he been pursuing her for six months, thinking she's recently graduated? It's strange. She doesn't look... She looks very young, but she doesn't look like she just graduated high yeah. school either. She looks young, but she doesn't look like teenager young. Right. So, it's... But the way that they dressed her and the way that uh, he's speaking to her makes her inappropriately young. I guess. In my... In the immortal words of me, that's what I wrote in my notes. <laughs> okay. She scampers out of the vehicle and he has some sort of attack, which I originally thought he was being stabbed from the back seat. I thought he was turning into a werewolf. Yep. Which would have been cooler. And we were both wrong. And the way he scarfs down the pills and as fast as they worked, I thought it was nitro. Like he was having a heart thing. But 
No. Yeah, also no. Yeah, he definitely chews the medication, and then he gets out of the car and runs through the woods after her. Says, hey, we can just put the blanket down right here and get at it. And she's like, um, no. Her face acting in this is good. She mm. does not want this man touching her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I hope it wasn't too awful for the actual actor. Yeah, I doubt it. They're probably just acting. I'm hoping. Maybe she's a terrible actor and she's actually feeling this way about this dude. Okay. don't have anything fun to say. I don't think it's fun to say, oh, this woman was sexually harassed on set. It doesn't seem like fun. No, it doesn't. It seems reasonable. You think it's reasonable to sexually harass women on set? (laughs) No, I think it's reasonable to assume in 1995 it probably happened a lot. I think we can be professionals. Who's we? We, the actors. (laughs) Okay, you're an actor now? I've always been an actor. An actor? A thespian. Mm, I see. After losing track of Paula, because she... Did you notice in this shot, so she runs into the woods, he's chasing her, and he catches up to her, and she says, no, you have to catch me first, so then she runs away again. But the next shot of him going after her, she has basically stopped in the woods about (laughs) 10 feet away. Yeah. He runs up right behind her, and then the next shot is he's, where are you, Paula? (laughs) So I think she... Went into one of those vortexes from the last episode. She misty-stepped. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, bye, George. He finds himself surrounded by approaching lights in the woods, which, were they all flashlights? It's hard to tell. It was hard to tell. I couldn't tell what they were. And he starts yelling when he's killed by an axe-wielding assailant wearing a tribal mask. That had... The brain part at the top of the mask, mm-hmm. which I wonder if is like a like a wink by the end of the episode, like it's a wink to the audience. It must be. Because everybody has holes in their brains by the end of the episode. Including you, my dear listener. Sorry. <laughs> when Kearns is reported missing and a witness claims to have seen Foxfire near Dudley, the agents investigate because Mulder can't stay away from something like Foxfire. I also looked up what Foxfire was, because I didn't know. That'd be like me trying to stay away from Dave Fire. (laughs) How long have you been holding on to that? Just thought of it. (laughs) And that's why they didn't use the other two terms it's also known by. Kristen Fire? No. Dana Fire? No. Fairy Fire or Chimpanzee Fire? Chimpanzee Fire? (laughs) Yep. That's real weird. It is the bioluminescence created by some species of fungi present in decaying wood. Mm. So it's a real thing, which is great to know. Why would the woman on I-10 call it in? She wouldn't, especially since that's not what it was. It was just a bonfire. Right. So she thought the bonfire was bioluminescence on decaying wood in the... the Apparently. Or maybe she saw... No, because she saw the bonfire. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Flimsy excuse to get them involved. And that's exactly how Dana Scully feels about it. (laughs) Yep, she thinks it's a wild goose chase. Always. And whenever she thinks it's a wild goose chase, it means she's going to be captured and beaten. Oh, good lord. I do wonder why she thinks they're trying to undermine his work and who they are. Right. It's not Skinner, probably. Probably not. And they just came back off of the Vortex mission. Yeah. That, by the way, 
was not solved. <laughs> <laughs> no. We stopped saying when they weren't solved a while ago because hardly any of these are solved. Yeah, very rarely. Including this one. I mean, sort of. She disagrees. They did shoot the guy at the end. But let's, the rest? Let's wait till we get Okay. There. Well, the site of the alleged Fox fire is actually the site of a very clean bonfire. Mm-hmm. How many bonfires have you been to that the aftermath is that? A couple. Really? Yeah, if you get them burning real, real hot, there's not a lot left afterward. That's amazing. We usually have leftovers to then restart the bonfire at, you know, another time. There were like two logs left over, which is... If there's going to be leftovers, it's going to be more than that. Yeah. But, you know, what are you going to do? Call them out on it. Okay. <laughs> at the um, at the site, which is a it's a 12-foot radius, right? It's got a picture of a guy holding a yeah. tape measure across yeah. it. It's pretty great. Uh, they run into the sheriff. Fred's dad. You're going to have to tell people who Fred's dad is. He's Gary Gropes. He's the sheriff. No, I mean, you're going to have to tell him what that means. It's from Angel. Everybody knows no. who Fred's dad is no. from Angel. He was in at least two episodes. <laughs> well, they after they visit the bonfire, meet the sheriff, and find out that the dead missing guy has a wife, they go talk to her. Yeah, and this guy, everything he says, he says so nicely and so wonderfully, I trust him implicitly. And you said that both times that we watched this. And I wrote it down. <laughs> well, they find out that the the guy, George, was going to recommend that the local chicken plant, Chaco Chicken, Chaco. Chaco Chicken, be closed down for health violations. He's been trying since he got there six months ago. Yes. And this obviously isn't sitting well with the Chaco Chicken townies. I couldn't think of a ch sound. I couldn't think of an alliteration. But this is just a crazy scene because they're asking Kearns' wife about him. And she says something like, he just had a flaw in his character that I could never fix. (laughs) And it turns out that he just cheated on her constantly. Ever since she turned 40. Right. Four Four weeks ago. (laughs) Well, it was interesting. And she was very flippant about her missing husband potentially having run off with some young thing from town. Yeah. Also, it's a very small town. Wouldn't they have an idea of who it who might be? Who the young be? thing was? Yeah. yeah. Maybe the wife wouldn't. Probably she would. But they are new to town. I give her a pass on not knowing all of the young things in town. But all the Chaco chicken citizens. There you go. You did it should know who the missing sweet young thing is. Yeah. And I think they do. It's nobody. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think they know that. So there's a production note. Chaco Chicken and Dudley, Arkansas are likely a spoof on Tyson Foods, Mm -hmm. a nationwide purveyor of poultry products, likewise headquartered in Springdale, Arkansas. Makes sense to me. Are you going to have chicken for dinner? No, I have boudin. Oh. I have red beans and rice and boudin. Is boudin what they feed the chickens in this episode? Not far off. (laughs) Gross. (laughs) We'll describe that in a minute, folks. So the agents go to Chaco? Chaco? Chaco. I can't do it. I don't know why. It's not spelled that way. 
Sure it is. I don't like it. I also don't like saying the word. It's not Chaco that I have a problem with. It's Chaco chicken. You want it to be Chico chicken? I think so. Is it like the Grillo's pickles that I can't stand? Must be. What it is. Some place out there, there's a pillow guy named Grickle. <laughs> and they need to swap companies. <laughs> yep. After they wander around the chicken plant, the floor manager, Jess Harold, comes in and meets them. Did you notice that the sheriff, before Jess can say anything, the sheriff's like, oh, hey, Jess, these guys are from the FBI. Uh, no, didn't notice that. I was too busy noticing when they pan across all of the lockers, all the ladies have like shirtless hunks taped up in their lockers. We all love a good himbo. Good. You don't know that they're himbos. In my mind, they, they are. They could be brilliant scientists who also take very good care of their bodies. I guess that's true. You are being reductive. I thought you were going to say they could be assholes. <laughs> so. <laughs> wow. So I guess I am being reductive. Yeah, just pigeonholing these guys. But I do love me a good himbo. I, there's nothing wrong with a himbo, but these guys could be brilliant. They could be. Or they could be... What's his name? Nicholas Cage. Yep. <laughs> they could be Nicholas Cage. <laughs> While they are um, talking to Jess... He claims that Kearns held a vendetta against Chaco, Chaco Chicken. Oh my God. Against Chaco Chicken. And he says that they've been, this factory has been alive for a million years. And we've never had any problems until this guy showed up. So until somebody who's not from this town started working here, there were no safety violations. Yep. Really? Yeah. While they are walking around, or while he's showing Scully the clipboard of... It looks like the clipboard that you see at um, at the bathroom. Gas station bathroom. Yep. Yes. That just kind of has... It's a check. Yes, we checked this and wrote our names on it. Mm-hmm. That's what the clipboard looks like. So that's the safety violations or the safety precautions of a chicken factory. Yeah. Cannon. Yes, we did this. We did this. <laughs> yeah. It's a wild. But Muller says, hey, what's that over there? He does his best Columbo and does this sweeping point that's really good. I really enjoyed it. I feel like he was so calm that he must have been trying to be calm because he was just like, what is this over here? Like his finger starts pointing before his arm moves. <laughs> he goes, ah, oh, just one more thing. What's that? Because that's what he says. He says, what's that? <laughs> but he says it so quietly that I was like, this isn't how Mulder normally speaks. Yeah. It was interesting. It was. That's why I was, I was thinking he was channeling Columbo. He must have been. And what this is, is the feed bucket. What did he call it? I feed grinder? Yeah, something, something like that. Oh, it was so gross. So you've got the factory floor, and you've got all of the carcasses everywhere. And you've got people touching all of the carcasses. And then in the middle of it, you've got this ground meat and blood mixture. And grain. There was definitely blood in it. Yeah, probably, because they're grinding up parts of animals. Did you notice it looked like it was cooked ground meat? Yeah, because they said they cook it. Oh, that's right. They did say that. Mm -hmm. They cook it and they mix it with grain. They're making dog food, but they're feeding it to chickens. But it's also mostly liquid. 
It's a little slurry-ish. Mostly liquid, which we'll get to in a moment. It was really bloody. It was so gross. It was gross. And it was open. It was an open vat of dog food. Would they have that on that floor? Well, I mean, probably not in real life. Right. But they're trying to cram an entire chicken factory into one room. (laughs) Yeah. They're doing a good job. It's disgusting. So while we were in the locker room, while all this was happening, that's where we see Paula. Yeah, right after the hunks. Yes. We see the hunks. We see Paula. And we know that elsewhere in the facility, the agents have arrived and all of this is going down. Well, Paula gets ready and has her hairnet and her costume. <laughs> it's her costume. Her costume. Her co- she puts on her costume, her chicken processing costume. And she goes out and she, at, before she leaves her locker, she is having some sort of attack. And we see her taking some medicine in from her locker, and then she goes out on the floor where she looks bad. She looks like sweaty. She's sweaty. She looks like she's feverish, and she's having a bad day. the uh, The agents are walking around the facility some more, and then at some point, Jess Harold, the floor manager, walks away, and he he comes back real fast. (laughs) (laughs) Immediately, at knife point. Because Paula is pale, sweaty, and holding him with the biggest knife. Yeah, I don't know where she got it. No, it wasn't. If it would have been a butcher's knife, I would have been like, okay, that makes sense at a factory. But this was a different kind of knife. Yeah, there's nothing in this factory that makes you think, oh, I need a knife. No. I could see certain tools, scissors maybe. Okay. Gotta cut up the chickens and stuff. Those chickens were all whole. They were at the moment. Well, she's got this giant knife that Crocodile Dundee would have appreciated. This whole scene is weird, too, because Scully puts her hand out and walks towards her slowly and says, no, we don't want anybody to get hurt. We don't want anybody to get hurt. And the angle of this, Mulder obviously pulls his gun because he's Mulder. Yeah. And it looks like she walks directly into the line of fire. Yeah. Which is wild. Scully's not getting anywhere. Mulder doesn't have a direct shot. Unless he's actually trying to hit Scully. (laughs) And then uh, Sheriff Aarons shoots her. Yeah. Somewhere that is an instant kill that's not her head. Right. Because she lets go of Jess Harold, the floor manager, and falls into the chicken muck. Yeah. And then she sings. Nobody grabs her. It was gross. Why would you grab her? I don't know. Yeah. Kill shot. Falls into the muck. Then everybody just watches. Watches her sink completely. Wild. Gross. The plant's physician, Dr. Vance Randolph, later claims that Paula was suffering from consistent headaches, which Kearns had also reported. Why would Kearns report to this doctor? Because he works for the plant, too. That seems like a... This guy's the plant doctor. No, I know that the plant doctor works for the plant, why does Kearns report to him? Why doesn't the Why doesn't Kearns work for a different agency? He works for the plant. He's an inspector for the plant. Isn't that a conflict of interest? No. To be an inspector of the plant that employs you? I mean, they have to have their own inspectors. But he's tr- he's literally trying to shut them down. Yeah, because they're doing bad things. Well, I know and that. And he takes his job seriously. His job and his cheating. Yeah, I mean, work hard, play hard. I guess so. He did have to play hard. He had to work hard to play at all running through the woods after that woman. (laughs) 
The plant's physician said, I don't know anything about headaches. I just mainly deal with hand injuries. <laughs> Which was, probably, yeah, that makes sense. I know, but I was like, oh, yikes. <laughs> how many people have, how many parts of people do you think you've eaten? Oh, I mean, I hope it's a lot. Like a whole person? Yeah, because apparently that'll keep me young. That's true. Maybe that's why I look so youthful. That's why your gray hair has receded and turned pitch black. Uh-huh. Receded? <laughs> Not receded. The gray. I'm thinking the gray has oh. receded. Not your hairline receding. That was terrifying for a moment. <laughs> Sorry. The agents later see Walter Chaco, Paula's grandfather, and the plant's owner who allows the agents to perform an autopsy. They go over to talk to him at his cute little house, and he's got a pen of too many chickens in too small an area. Yeah, I like that he keeps chickens, but I don't like how he keeps the chickens. Everybody around here just lets them roam around. There's no pens at all. But he makes a good chicken speech that I really like. Chickens are the perfect animal, because I agree. They're awesome. They're delicious and wonderful. And eggs are good, too. (laughs) And that's pretty much word for word what he says. That's basically, yeah. And he says, and you can use them as pillows. And that's where I wanted to use one as a pillow. And then he makes them. So he makes a good chicken speech. Then he makes a bad capitalism speech. Yes, he does. Talks about how people like George Kearns don't build anything. They just make sure that you do it safely when you build something. And we got no room for troublemakers and layabouts. Right. What? Dude. You're dealing with human consumption food. Nah, we can't do that safely. (laughs) Grumble, grumble, grumble. The agents find that while Paula's personnel file gives her age as 47, she appears no older than her mid-20s. There's absolutely no way it's a typo. No need to find a birth certificate or literally any other paperwork. According to... No, because they say later that, yeah, we're going to go do that. Later. Like, days later. (laughs) I don't know if it's days later. You also don't know that it's not. I think it's the same day. I don't think it is. I think more stuff happens before they go there. More than one thing can happen in one day. Mm -mm. (laughs) This isn't my life. (laughs) This is TV life. Well, they discover that Paula suffered from Pretzfeld-Jakob disease, a rare and fatal illness that causes dementia. So I looked up this disease to see if it was real. It is, horrifyingly enough. It's a degenerative brain disorder that leads to dementia and death. Pretzfeld-Jakob disease may occur spontaneously, so that's horrifying, Terrifying. be inherited, or be transmitted by contact with infected tissue, such as during a transplant or from eating contaminated meat. Wow. The condition causes personality changes, anxiety, depression, and memory loss, usually within a few months, and many people lapse into coma. Oof. It gets worse. Don't worry. Oh, cool. Because no effective treatment exists, the focus is on alleviating pain and relieving symptoms. Wow. Awful. And according to Scully, it puts Swiss cheese holes in your brain. Yep. Makes it spongy or whatever. When the agents nearly collide with a Chaco chicken truck on the road away from, I guess, Chaco's house? I think so. I think so. Or autopsy? Autopsy. One or the other. (sighs) They're leaving somewhere. Yeah. When they're leaving. Autopsy, because they know about... The brain. Yeah. Uh, they nearly collide with the truck that veers 
wildly off the road and goes nose first into the bloodiest river I've ever seen. Not the bloodiest river that's ever existed, though. He didn't say that. Because, you know, in the song Creeping Death from Metallica, the river turns to blood. Oh, why? Because it's the story of Moses. Moses turned the river to blood? No, God turned the river to blood. Why? Because the Pharaoh wouldn't let my people go. He turned well, the... not my people. <laughs> Moses' people. I see. So he turned the river to blood? He visited plagues on the Pharaoh's... Of Egypt. Oh, so not literally. He no. killed a bunch of people and then they all died. And no, he literally river. turned the river to blood. That's going to just kill all the fish in there. Who cares about the fish? I care about the fish. God don't care about the fish. Apparently. Or or firstborn sons. Or, <laughs> like all the firstborn sons of Egypt die and you're like, oh, what about the fish? Yeah. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> I didn't know any of them. <laughs> you don't know the fish. I would have if God hadn't killed them no, by uh, drowning them in blood. Fish do not live for thousands of years. I hate to inform you. I don't know. Either, then it's weird. Are you an ichthyologist? Yes. <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> well, either way, it is the grossest river. The driver had had or has also... I don't know. Does he survive? He couldn't have. Because they dissect his brain. Oh, do they? Immediately. Oh. Yeah, that's right. Because Before they pull the truck out of the river, they're like, this guy also had it. What? That's so true. Yeah, so, and the only way that they could tell is... By cutting up the brain. That's wild. Wait, then how do you get diagnosed? Symptoms? It must be. That sounds awful. Maybe they take a brain tissue sample without killing you somehow? I don't know how that would happen. You're not a brain doctor? No. Oh, I'm an ichthyologist. Told you already. <laughs> it's true. I have a short attention span. Well, Mulder notices that the <laughs> the stream is real bloody. <laughs> but not before Scully tells him that she's got a sick theory. Yes. it's. <laughs> she's like, George Kearns got chopped up and the chickens ate him. And then people ate the chickens. And everybody's got the Crutzfield Jakob syndrome. Yep. And then Mulder rightly points out, well, then they'd be all over the place, not just here. So he shoots her theory full of brain holes. No, no. Yeah. He also tells Sheriff Aarons to dredge the the stream, and he says, I don't really want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> That's a dirty job. I don't think I want to do that. And I'm like, yeah. Go make him do that. Right. Leave that sheriff alone. He's a nice guy. I trust him implicitly. You did say that multiple times. And it is so funny because the way that he says it, it it's so reasonable. Yeah. I don't think I want to do that. <laughs> Let's not know what I'm looking for. Right? And then Mulder threatens to bring his guys down. And the sheriff can't have that. No. Hmm. I'll do it. Which makes no sense because they end up finding... A bunch of bones, bunch anyway. Of bones, so. I was thinking the same thing. So he knows the bones are going to be there. But he didn't try to hide the fact that the bones are there. Right. How many of the people dredging also knew the bones would be there? Right. So if you're trying to cover it up, like, no, your guys can't come look, why wouldn't you just be like, yeah, we looked, we didn't find anything? That's what I would do. Yeah, exactly. I'd be like, we found, here's a handful of chicken parts that I found. Would you like them? Right, because Mulder <laughs> and Scully would never know. No, because he goes and gets them. Yeah. Sheriff Aaron's. Bad cover-up. 
See, he's just trying to help. You got you got holes in your brain? He's trying to help. <laughs> Production note. Sheriff Aaron's name is likely a reference to William Aaron's author of The Man-Eating Myth, a 1979 work on anthropology purporting to debunk several cannibalism myths. Oh, well, good job. Yeah. Good, good job, that guy. Yeah. They quickly find bones of nine people, including Kearns, which Scully just puts together on her own. She does, and this is the first time in the entire episode she looks interested in this case. Mm-hmm. She is bored out of her mind until she's putting skeletons together. And she's like, this is so interesting, Mulder. Look, this is Kearns. He broke his leg. It's wild that one one person sifted through all of these bones and then identified which skeletons they went together with. I know that you can do that. I know you can do it too, but not with a magnifying glass and one person. And how many hours do you think she had? Two? I don't know. I thought it was days later. Now it's just hours? Mm. Yes, this is a different scenario. Your timetable is fluid. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. What is time? A flat circle. Right. So your timetable is also fluid. And there's no bottom thirds to prove either of us right or wrong. My timetable is a flat circle. That's solid. A solid flat circle. Solid flat circle. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. You're just going to be cocky about that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I nailed it. Yep. Gotcha. While inspecting the remains, the agents notice the skeletons are missing skulls, and the bones appear to have been boiled. Production note is, Walter Chaco's name is a reference to Chaco Canyon, a major cultural center of the ancient Pueblo peoples. And at this point, Mulder mentions that pot polish is a clue that has led to several anthropologists suspecting the... Anasazi tribe who inhabited Chaco Canyon of practicing cannibalism. The Anasazi are also the name of the next episode. It is. Which is interesting. It is. Are we going to have just super cannibals? All of the rest of the episodes of the X-Files are about cannibals. Sweet. Forever. And savory. (laughs) (laughs) Gross. Now, why would just the ends of the bones get polished like that? Is that really how it works? I have no idea. Okay. But I'm thinking the ends of them, pot polish would be bumping against the edges during boiling. All right. And then the middle of the bone doesn't bump against. Because it's got all the meat. Yeah. Okay. I have been a vegetarian (laughs) for 15 years. I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile... Randolph and Harold discuss the uncovered bones and the increase of Kritzfeldt Jakob disease. Randolph and Harold? Yeah. Who is that? I don't know. <laughs> it's the. Oh, Harold is the last name and Randolph is the doctor. Okay. Oh. So the plant doctor, not a plant doctor, the doctor at the plant, <laughs> and the floor manager at the plant discuss the bones being found and the increases of. Kritzfeld Jakob cases. While the doctor complains about Chaco's inaction, Harold, the floor manager, assures him that he will talk to Chaco. Production note, while researching the ancestral Puebloans for the second season finale, Spotnitz learned that archaeologists had discovered boiled human bones in Chaco Canyon, New Mexico, an element featured in the final version of the episode. So there's a lot of cultural appropriation, I told you. Excellent. 
And just bad stereotypes, reinforcing bad stereotypes. I'm not saying that this didn't happen. Uh, are the, the, I forget how they pronounce it, the Jale people? Is that a real people? I have a note about them. Okay. Toward the end when they, uh, when we see their little name tag. Okay. Using FBI records, Mulder and Scully find that 87 people have vanished within a 200-mile radius of Dudley over the past half century, which makes me wonder how often do they have to do this? Right. And is that statistically significant? Right. I don't know. I don't know how many people just vanish every year. I don't think anybody does. There's, There's missing persons logs, but they don't ever follow up and be like, hey, has this person gone on missing right and then you don't report when they show back up right so that's why the teen runaway numbers are so fucked up right and if they come back you don't report it and then if they go missing again you'll report them missing so one person could be missing 19 times right could be counted as multiple people so i don't know i don't and is it statistically significant for 87 people to go missing in a 50 year period over a 200 mile radius yeah that does not seem statistically significant at all it just it's you're less than two a year in a large area yeah huh i mean it doesn't, it doesn't sound great but it doesn't sound unheard of Mm-mm. because in 200 miles there's probably a city somewhere one would think in arkansas how big is arkansas that's not very big <laughs> It's more than 200 mile radius. Little, Little Rock is definitely within 200 miles of Dudley. Right. So it would just... It's probably 87 people in Little Rock. Right. In 50 years. Right. Yeah. Uh, Editor's note, a 200 mile radius is nearly the entirety of Arkansas. And in calendar year 2022 so far, there are 200 missing people in the state of Arkansas. Mulder suspects that the town's residents are practicing cannibalism in order to prolong life. And Scully's like, what the fuck are you talking about, Mulder? I'm talking about vampires and Catholics. Yep. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. And he says, vampires and Catholics is exactly how Paula looks so young. Yep. She's a Catholic vampire. (laughs) Mulder also realizes that Kearns originally had... Kritzfeld Jakob disease, and that the other residents caught the illness after consuming his body. Good theory. I know, he just realizes it. Yeah. He doesn't prove it. It's good theory. I agree. I don't know how he's going to prove it. Well, let's see how this pans out. Okay. (laughs) The agents try to search the town's birth records for information, for confirmation of Paula's age, but find that someone has started a fire only on the birth certificates. Yeah, yeah. And if you're going to do that, why even keep them right? in the first place? There's no reason. No, not really. Passports, maybe? No, nah, because you're still going to have to fake the birth records and everything. Yeah, I guess that's true. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, there's no reason. They just hadn't gotten around to it. It's one of those office tasks that you keep meaning to do. <laughs> right. And you just don't until someone forces your hand, and then you light all of the paper on fire. That's how I clean office. Just light everything on fire? Yep. All right. So they find out that all of the uh, birth records for the entire town have been destroyed. And at Chaco's mansion, we see Chaco and Harold, who is the floor manager at the chicken factory, talking. It doesn't sound like... it. So Harold wants him, wants Chaco to do something. Do something. 
because one of the bodies is the missing person who is Doris's husband, and Chaco's like, what do you want me to do, man? Exactly. And Doris comes over, and she's freaking out. She tearfully implies that she helped kill her husband. I don't think she implies it. I don't either. I think it's stated. I really just want to know if she ate him. And maybe not, because maybe she knows that he's got the disease. Ooh. She should know. If he knew. But I don't think he knew, actually, because he was thinking he had, like, Lyme. Oh, yeah. Lyme hypnosis? Yeah. So, okay, so nobody knew this guy was diseased. So he was... So what was he... What medicine was he taking? The codeine, I guess. I guess. It worked fast. It worked a little too fast. It worked super fast. It didn't... But it didn't work for... What's her face? What's her face? Yeah. Well, she was having the dementia. He was just having the headaches. Mm. Both sound terrible. I don't want either. Thanks. No. Think I will not eat people or chicken. Who eats his own? I guess. Small price to pay. Takes all kinds. For not having holes in my brain. Yeah, I guess so. So Doris comes over. She's she's not stable, David. I was getting I was getting ready to mention that. <laughs> this Jess Harold guy seems obsessed with the word stable. Because he says that Paula, before the attack, was always stable. Yes. And then she mentions that Kearns is not stable. Right. So he's a big fan of stability. Yes. Odd. (laughs) It's just just very odd. It's a very strange first adjective to call anybody. So Harold is unhappy that Doris is freaking out while the FBI is here. Which makes sense, because they're all going to get caught if... Right. And Chaco says, we just got to take care of the FBI. Yep. And Harold says... Grumble, grumble, grumble. (laughs) Chaco instructs Doris to go to her house and get some sleep and to stay there. Yes. So she does... Before they argue about how stable she is. Yeah, before she leaves. And then she leaves. And then she isn't stable, which Harold thinks is the worst adjective to use on somebody. Mm. Or the best, depending on if you are or you are not. And she goes home and calls Mulder, believing that Chaco wants to kill her. And after she hangs up, she's attacked by the masked figure. Yeah, with the brain on it. Yes, and she also has a window in the front of her house busted out and covered in... Yeah, it's covered in a plastic tarp. Yeah. (laughs) Just very interesting detail. Because we see the front of the house before, and the window's intact. And then we see the front of the house now, after the attack, and it's busted out, which I would typically, if it hadn't happened so quickly, said, I guess we're supposed to believe that's where the masked guy came in. But don't go into the front. And also, there's plastic sheet over it already. That's weird. I didn't know we were supposed to think anything of it. I thought that the house that they had to use just happened to have a missing window. Because they don't linger on it or anything. No. Just Scully runs up onto the porch, and that's when really when we get a good look at it. Yeah. Very strange. Scully goes to help Doris while Mulder searches for Chaco at his mansion, because Doris calls and says, Chaco's going to kill me, and Mulder says, Scully's going to come get you, and I'm going to go arrest Chaco. Yeah. But... There's no cause. Not really. You, like, you can't arrest somebody with, what's it called? No cause. Suspicion. Casual suspicion. <laughs> yep. Uh, reasonable doubt. 
No, that's not it. Nope. You'll get there it's eventually. It's the thing that cops use all the time to, you know, illegally search people. Yeah. That thing. I cannot think of it. It's just suspicion. No, there's it's a... There's, just an excuse to be suspicious. There's a specific term for it. Oh, I know. Looking at, that I'm looking for. Well, maybe you'll remember and you can editors note it. Yeah, maybe. So Mulder goes to Chaco's mansion and talks to the housekeeper and <laughs> looks around. And this is where we see that Chaco has some artifacts that he shouldn't have. If you say so. They don't belong to him. Maybe they were gifts. He took a picture with those guys. They clearly were accepting of him. I guess that's true. Okay. People from different cultures can be friends. What? Yeah. And then you can accept gifts from those people, too. And then you can give them gifts. That's a friend? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so hard these days. <laughs> I forgot about the picture. Yeah, they did pose together, and they had, like, their little peace signs. They had their first picture where everybody's serious and smiling, and then they had their second picture where they're, like, in a human pyramid with peace signs. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I don't know why I forgot that. So Mulder's looking through a bunch of stuff, or looking around... In, in that area, in the entryway. And then there's a cabinet. A very cool-looking cabinet. It is a very cool-looking cabinet with a little lock on it. And Mulder asks the housekeeper, what's in there? And she says, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and so he takes one of the artifacts and starts beating the lock. Yeah. It's like, hey, buddy, uh, do you have a warrant for that? And the answer is, he does not. No, he does not. This is an illegal search. Congratulations, Mulder. You just fucked your case. And that's unfortunate because inside were the heads of 87 people. <laughs> <laughs> or at least five. <laughs> Somewhere between five, five and 87. And they had their eyes stitched shut and, and their mouths stitched yeah, shut. Yeah, it was creepy. And they looked not really mummified, but definitely dried out. Yeah, like they've been away from their bodies for a little too long. Dehydrated. It was dehydrated, dehydrated heads. At least it wasn't super salt that dehydrated them. That's true. Because they'd look a lot worse then. It's true. Thank God for small favors, right? Yeah. They're going to take your head. Don't super salt it. Yeah. Do not super salt. <laughs> Would that pull... Oh, do you think they did that because when they're skin got dehydrated it would have pulled back their lips and it would have looked like they were grimacing oh yeah it could be and then the eyelids would mm. peel open so then they would just be looking at you and grimacing interesting what a horrifying picture yeah thanks for it you're welcome they didn't even get button eyes like in Coraline though <sighs> no yes they were bad little girls and boys well he finds the heads and he calls Scully I was like and then what does he do because he doesn't <laughs> do anything with them he calls Scully on the phone and hears her being knocked out by Chaco because he was also at Doris's house. Without a mask on. Yes. So, with a mask, did something to her. Did something to... Doris. Yes. Without a mask... <laughs> bludgeoned Scully over the head. Knocked her out. Chaco takes Scully with duct tape on her mouth and zip ties on her hands to a secluded field. Which is probably not actually secluded. It's probably that same exact field that we could see the road from. Yeah, he just knew everybody was going to be there. Yep. He just goes to this field. He finds a bonfire. And the townsfolk are all hanging out. Like a nice little 
hang out by the bonfire kind of time. And they're all getting ladles of this weird soup that is where I check out of the cannibalism. <laughs> I love, yes, we talked about this. I love that you check out because it's soup. It's this weird, gross-looking soup. If it was like a barbecued thigh and it was going to keep me young forever, they could get on board. But it's just weird, gross-looking soup. It's not even a stew. It wasn't a stew. It was very brothy. Yeah. And they still ladled it on the plates. That's what I was going to say. So my problem with this the soup wasn't that that's how they were consuming Doris. It was that they were ladling it onto plates. Yeah. What kind of monsters ladle soup onto plates? Ugh, gross. It, plates. It, plates. Ugh. And thin soup. Brothy, chunky soup. Yeah, it was like uh, it was like chicken noodle soup. It was gross. They chunked up Doris and they... It's like chunks of beef in water. I think that's my big problem with it. That's, that's gross. So it was like the feed? Yeah. Back at the feed tank? No, it wasn't because the, <laughs> the feed was at least ground up. Well, so the thing with the feed tank is it's obviously mostly liquid because her whole body sunk in there. Yeah. If it had been even 50-50 meat and... Well, you know, quicksand is... Not real. It's totally real. <laughs> quicksand you gotta is... You got to be cognizant. You got to have your head on a swivel. Quicksand is... When you're in the jungle. The bane of our existence and definitely a part of our everyday lives like they told us it was going to be. And piranhas. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Piranhas worth... Piranhas and quicksand. Why? Xenophobia? No, because they're trying to keep us safe. From... Piranhas and quicksand. (laughs) Have you been attacked by piranhas or quicksand? Yes or no? I don't think so. All right. So it's working? Then it worked. I don't know what you're complaining about. Sounds like you're proposing the next dare, but it's for piranhas and quicksand. Yeah, I'm going to put together a presentation and take it around to elementary schools. Okay. You know what? The kids these days do not get enough piranha and quicksand uh, education. Piranhas and quicksand. P-A-Q-S. Pax? Pax. There you go. You did it. Pax. You did it. Do you feel good? Yeah. Become a packer. <laughs> Paxer. Paxer? <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. Would be. Become a Paxer. Come on, elementary schools, hit me up. <laughs> Call me. Call me on my cell phone. Yeah, that. <laughs> do that. Well, how much time do you think has passed since Mulder sent Scully to get Doris? Oh, uh, I don't know how big the town is. Small town. Maybe. Small town. Small town. So let's say it took her 10 minutes to get there. Okay. It definitely didn't take more than 10 minutes to get knocked out. Right. And probably not 10 minutes to get to the field. So half hour? Less than half. Less than half Half hour. Half hour or less. It's like a pizza. So, riddle me this. How the fuck did they get Doris into that stew and ready to serve in less than 30 minutes? Ooh, she's not well done. No. How do you even butcher her? People. The other white meat. How do you even butcher her? I don't know. They didn't show that part. Wow. But they are straight up eating her. Yeah. When he arrives. They've managed to get most of it done. We don't see her body. We don't see any body parts. Just that stew and that that cauldron wouldn't hold a full human body. Nope. Mm. And you can see when they ladle it out, it's it's chunked. It's like chunks of chicken. Yeah. They, uh... They're efficient. 
They definitely didn't let. You know what? They, they did not let Doris get to 165 degrees. They they all work at a meat processing plant. That oh is that, yeah, they just ganged up. That everyone's been trying to shut down because of violations. <laughs> They're like these guys are too fast. There's no way they're doing it right. Right. That was the real problem. It wasn't cleanliness. It wasn't safety. It was simply there's no way they could be doing it this fast. Yeah. It's just, I don't believe it. <laughs> well, when they arrive, Scully is dragged around, blood trickling from her forehead, unable to help herself, mm-hmm. being manhandled by Chaco. Chaco berates everyone in the town for killing one of their own, because Doris was one of their own. Yeah, see, this guy had a had a code that he lived by. So, like, he had a, he had a faith. He even says, this isn't faith. It's like a religious thing. Yeah. They're Catholic. <laughs> They're Catholic vampires. They are Catholic because you eat the host. Yeah, you eat the body of Christ. So gross. Yeah, this is, this is my blood. This is my body. Eat me. Eat me. Eat me. All right, so the Catholics are having a bonfire and sharing a meal while Chaco shows up and berates them. Harold, the floor manager, chastises Chaco for allowing the Kritzfeldt Jakob epidemic to occur. At this point, I want to know what exactly did they expect him to do? I have no idea. And also, did anybody know that he was sick? Everybody thought it was line hypnosis. Yeah, nobody knew he was sick until they ate him and then they started getting sick. So it's really... At that point, you just wait and see who gets sick. And you deal with them. And then you gotta shuffle the outsiders out as soon as you can. Yep. Which is what Chaco was trying to do. Chaco had the only reasonable plan. Everybody else got Swiss cheese brain holes. It's true. I wonder if Chaco... That's why they're all paranoid. Do you think Chaco didn't eat? I, he him? must... Or it doesn't automatically affect you. Hmm. Maybe his bit of that guy's body bit was cooked. George. His bit of George was cooked properly, yeah. so it killed off all of the... Hit 165 degrees. You know what? Yeah. Maybe. Yep. Because it says contaminated meat, and I don't know if that means that you have to eat the brain, or if it's in the body, which would make sense, but you can kill a lot of stuff with yeah. heat. For this purpose, it has to be in the body as well. It must be. Because they have his head. They didn't eat his brain. Oh, yeah. Read your brains. Yeah. Hmm. Like, that must be what's happening with the town, why they're all going a little bit blah, 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 because a bunch of them got the hmm. George Curtin's disease. Okay. I'm down with that. Yeah. Well, it doesn't end well for Chaco. He is executed by the masked figure. He af- pulls a gun with no intention of using it. Yeah. Is it Harold that walks up? I think so. Just, directly yeah. in and front of it? just grabs it up yeah. out of his hand. You can't pull a gun if you're not willing to use it. Everybody in this entire universe needs to learn that and you shouldn't pull guns as often as the police do no i believe they are willing to use it but they have the stupidest reasons 97 percent of the time and they pulled guns on antonio last episode and clearly didn't have intent to shoot intent to shoot so they're just they're just terrorizing him yeah for no reason still mad about that scene yeah it was it was absurd you should be mad about it forever yeah so they put Chaco into, you said, the thing that they kill chickens with? Yeah. Well, it's like an upscaled version of it for well, humans. A human head size. Yeah. To lock in, I guess you lock in their chicken lock, necks? Lock in their neck. 
so that it's extended so you get a good, clean shot. So awful. It's better than getting a bad shot. Then you end up like that one chicken who was missing half his brain and then toured the country afterwards. (laughs) That sounds great. And you had to, (laughs) his owner had to feed him by putting stuff directly in his esophagus. Yeah, that's really gross. Yep. That part doesn't sound great. Yikes. Well, they definitely cut off Chaco's head in front of Scully. She witnesses this because her eyes are not covered, mm-hmm. just her mouth. And then they put Scully in it, but they put it, her in it wrong so that backwards, we can, so we can see her face. So it's just on her forehead. Yeah. Not holding her in position at all. No. And she just chooses to not move. Whimper. Yeah. She has to be saved, David. Yeah. She is the damsel. Yay. Well, she's squirming and making all kinds of sounds, and it takes them zero amount of time to kill Chaco. They just whack his head off immediately. Uh, And then then apparently they, you see them drag his body away, but like only 10 feet. But apparently by the end of the episode, you're supposed to believe they just took his body all the way out of there. Like somebody transported it to the plant. I guess so. In the middle of the night. Well, Scully's... During this ceremony. It's ridiculous. And Scully is there, and this scene is so long. Yeah, yeah. Her with her head in this chicken contraption. Mulder pulls up. Stuff's happening. The guy in the mask is taking his sweet-ass time cutting her head off. And it costs him. Gets popped. He does. By Mulder with a handgun from 300 yards away. Yeah. Okay. In the dark. He's such a good shot. Maybe it was the... So I was thinking that the way that everybody was standing was the there's the guy in the mask, there's the bonfire behind him, and then Mulder's over here 300 yards away. And I'm thinking looking at the bonfire would be hell on your eyes, but maybe it silhouetted him perfectly. It probably did, but it's still a handgun at 300 yards. Mulder's a crack shot. He really is. So amazing and handsome. <laughs> and dreamy. <laughs> and stable. And stable. Yes. Well, so Mulder saves the day and he takes Scully out of the chicken holder contraption and says, Are you okay? And I'm like, No. <laughs> she just saw this guy get his head chopped off. Maybe that's why she didn't move out of it. She's so traumatized. But she says she's not hurt. No. She's fine. And then he takes the tape off of her mouth after asking her multiple questions. (laughs) And then they stand there and look at the townsfolk receding into the woods, I guess. We see all the lights going away. And uh, what's his face? The floor manager pointing his gun at Mulder, but through the crowd. And he doesn't want to shoot any of his people. Right. I guess. Yeah. And then he gets trampled to death, apparently. I guess so. And so his body is also gone. No, we never see his body never again. never see him again, but I don't think that means his body's gone. We did definitely watch him get trampled to death. That was weird. It, it was, was so weird I forgot strange. about it. I commented it on it while we were watching it and then forgot immediately. It's so weird. Very, very strange. Well, the townsfolk get away. Harold, the floor manager, is trampled to death. And finally, Mulder moves over to the masked figure and reveals that it is... You want me to say it? It's Sheriff Aaron's. I still, I still don't believe it. With his perfect teeth. He was coerced. <laughs> he did this under duress. 
Maybe. Gary Grubbs would never. <laughs> Fred's dad is a saint. Well, he is dead now, so he could become a saint. <sighs> Just need, what, two or three miracles? And, yeah, something like that. You, no, you just need one miracle, but then you need other stuff. Oh, it's like casting spells in D&D. You, you need... Material components. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Verbal, somatic components. Yep. Yeah. Has to reset after a long rest. Mm-hmm. Maybe he'll be fine tomorrow. Hopefully. You know? We can only, we can only wish. <laughs> in narration, Scully explains that Chaco's plant has been closed down by the Department of Agriculture, where we see some people going through with caution tape and you know all of that chicken's going to rot. It's just the biggest waste. Yeah, and people are, they're doing it while people are working. Right, they didn't clear out the facility. So when did this happen? The next day? Yes. Weeks later? I don't know. And that 27 Dudley residents have died from kritzfeldt jakob disease. It's a lot of people. Yeah, so when did this happen? It must have been months later because it says it takes months. It's... The first person started exhibiting symptoms about, what, four or five weeks after he... Ten. Ten oh, ten weeks, yeah. Man, I don't know. Scully also reveals that Chaco was 93 years old at the time of his death and had spent time with the allegedly cannibalistic Hale tribe. Hale or Jail? Jale. Jale? Oh, maybe Jale. Papua, Papua New Guinea. So, what language do they speak? Guineas? I have no idea. Well, after his transport plane was shot down over New Guinea during World War II. So that's how he met this tribe. Production note, the fictitious Halle tribe may be partially based on the Karoi tribe of Papua New Guinea, who practiced cannibalism in the past, but are the subject of a modern controversy over whether these practices have continued. Mm. And Scully also states that Chaco's remains have never been found, even though she was there when he was beheaded, and Mulder <laughs> was also there, and then they were not there. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, Why would they carry Chaco's body away and then leave Harold's body? Makes no sense. Well, the final scene does suggest that Chaco's remains were being fed to the chickens at his own plant. Yeah. Would this and including also his head, because they... Had hair. Take out a big chunk of hair that's from your head, not... So he's the only one whose head they threw. Yeah. yeah. But also, is this at the same time as the people are closing down the plant? What is the it, timeline of this? It's wild. Or are we seeing a shot from the past while Scully is doing her paperwork that happened shortly after they left, and then the shutting down of the plant happened in the future, which is actually the present? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I looked up... If you could burn a body in a bonfire, you can't. Isn't that how they used to do it? You can build a pyre, which is a specific type of thing, and you have to have it constructed in a certain way so that air gets in and it gets hot enough. Yeah, okay. So you could do it that way, but the way that they set up this bonfire in a little teepee pattern? Yeah, I don't think that was for getting rid of bodies, though. You don't? No, they eat the bodies. Right, but they have to cook them. You could cook it. And then they just light the fire for ambiance? Yeah, the bonfire is just a bonfire. Oh. Because that, the, a pyre gets rid of the body. Yeah. And you want the body because you're going to eat it. Well, yes, I understand. I did try to see how hot a body would have to get. has to get like 1,200 degrees. Yeah, Fahrenheit. I was going to say it's got to be over 1,000. So pyres, yes. Specific way that you have to structure it. Bonfire, no. So 
anybody looks at my search history, they're going to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> because I also have things like, do body parts decompose in cement? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, I also looked up line hypnosis, and it is closely associated with highway hypnosis, which is still not anything like they were discussing. No, that's not a like a serious disease or mental illness. Or no. It's just something that can cause you to wreck in the moment. Well, highway hypnosis or line hypnosis, unaccountable because, or un, uncountable. I don't, they don't know how many people have it, I guess. I don't know. A condition similar to highway hypnosis, but induced by repetitive work on an assembly line, which makes sense, but it wouldn't cause headaches and fever and... No, no it's not like a continuing thing. Body it's like aches. a in-the-moment thing you zone out or whatever. Right. Highway hypnosis, also known as white line fever, is an altered mental state in which a person can drive a car, truck, or other automobile great distances, responding to external events in the unexpected, safe, and correct manner with no recollection of having consciously done so. Oh, yeah. I know. It happens regularly. Yeah. I get that in a specific part of coming home. Mm-hmm. I can never remember passing this one, these, like, these three blocks. <laughs> it's just out of my mind. So, how are you surviving? By rigorously testing the human meat that I consume. You have, like, a little lab test kit that you got for Christmas? No, I have a full lab. Where? Elsewhere. Can I have a little space in it so I can work and not in the house every day of every week? Only if you're going to be rigorously testing the human meat, which I consume. Is it a lot? Can I do that like on my breaks from my actual job? As long as you do it safely and accurately. I don't care when you do it. And rigorously and stably. And rigorously. <laughs> most importantly, stable. I can do that. I just need another place to be sometimes. How are you surviving? Well, I'm not eating chicken or people. Yeah. I mean, okay. <laughs> I guess. Who are you shipping? Ugh. Yeah, another weird one to try to ship somebody in. Yeah. Who am I shipping? Who are you shipping? I'm shipping me and a chicken for a pillow. Uh, sh- the sheriff and Doris Kearns. You think they would be they, good together? They could have been good together if Mulder and Scully hadn't gotten involved. I think so. I think that they could have evened each other out. Yeah. He could have made her stable. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. He would have said all kinds of nice things in a sweet way. Yep. It would have been great. Aw. The Cast Files is produced by Kristen Riley and Dave Reed. Edited by Dave Reed. You can find us on Twitter at Cast Files. You can find me on Twitter at Dave Reed. That's D-A-I-V-E-R-E-E-D. You can email us at thecastfiles. That's the with two E's at gmail.com. If you could please go rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars and tell us that we are doing phenomenal things. Artistic, wonderful things. We are raising the bar on podcasting. We would love you forever for that. We have a Tee Public store. You can go buy t-shirts and stuff there. Music by Hal Six. Logo by Atuka Art. That's O-O-K-A-R-T. You're doing that rooster thing with your neck again. Uh, I'm trying to work stuff out. Like how how that sentence was supposed to go? Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. You also have short-term memory.